7, we'll read just a couple verses and we'll pray. We'll pray. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? Amen. How many of y'all glad school started back? <laughs> All I know is I'm glad when I was in school they didn't have Facebook. Amen. My mom didn't embarrass me posting all kind of pictures, amen. I told her I was cutting up with my daughter last night, and I said, man, I'm glad I didn't have that when I was in school. She said, well, that's what I'm saying. Tell mama that tomorrow. I said, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> amen. John chapter number seven. This is going to be a great study. Tonight's going to be an intro study. We're not going to get into the, the real, real goody-goody. Uh, what we're going to get is good. But what what we're going to get coming up is going to be really good. Amen right there. Uh, But what we're going to do is try to intro, and and we we got a lot of background information I want to share with you that's really interesting, really good. And, uh, uh, man, there's some things that I'm seeing and what we're going to learn through this that's going to make some things you've heard all your life finally make sense. And it's like, oh, that's why he said that. That's why that makes a whole lot of sense there. So. Uh, we're going to do this, and by the way, we're going to be able to, uh, we're kind of going to do uh, like we did last week with a running commentary, but a running commentary with an outline. <laughs> and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is great. Uh, uh, how many of y'all, how many of y'all will pray for me tonight that I will teach and that, that God will touch us tonight? Amen. That's what we need. We need God to touch us tonight. So let's look in John chapter 7. In verse number one, if you found your spot, say amen. Amen. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, talking about Judea, around Jerusalem, the bigger city, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, And he himself seeth to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come. Very key phrase. Very key. My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into the feast. I go not up yet unto the feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, There is, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. The Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, But he that seeketh his glory, that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Now, now here's here's what we're going to really get to here in chapter 7 and chapter 8. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? 
The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all are marveled. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. Talking about going back to Abraham. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> thank you for a great crowd tonight. Thank you for hungry people who love your word and, Lord, want to learn your word and study your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will help me disciple them, help me to teach in, in a clear way that we can all uh, receive your word and your teaching and your, uh, your, your, your truth tonight. I pray your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. Lord, don't let anything hinder. Uh, don't let anything distract. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hold, your, hold your, your outline in your lap just a minute. And let's talk about, let's talk about, thank you. Let's talk about uh, just a little intro information. A little intro information uh, leading up to where we are here in this particular chapter. Uh, if you will remember, we, we have come out of chapter 6 where the feeding of the, uh, the, the 5,000, which we believe and know is about 20,000, uh, a spectacular uh, miracle, a, just, a, uh, just on the grand scheme of things, is probably the, the pinnacle of his public ministry. The greatest probably of all the, the, the miracles as far as in grand style and the amount of people that it involved and how that happened. And we know that a lot of people walked away from him. <clears throat> A lot of his disciples went back. And, and he turned to the, the, the ones that stayed and said, will you go also? And Peter spoke up, as he normally did, and said, where are we going to go? We don't have nowhere else to go. You, you're the one that has the words of life, and that's the key, the words. Uh, they, would, they were willing to accept the miracles, but they were not willing to accept his word. His word. And it, and it was always like that during Jesus' time. Now, as we go back... If we will go back to uh, chapter number 5, if we'll go back to chapter number 5, we'll learn that Jesus did a miracle. Not just any miracle and not just at any time. He did a miracle on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day. Now, let's, let's go back in Jesus' life a little bit, all right? Let's go kind of in the beginning from baptism. He comes and he's baptized. Uh, one of the first miracles he did is he turns the water into wine. And everybody's cool with Jesus. Everybody's cool with Jesus as long as he's doing cool stuff, as long as he's doing uh, beneficiary things, as long as he's the benevolent Jesus, as long as he's the fixer, as long as he's the provider. Uh, everybody's cool with Jesus. And, and, and until he starts stepping on their toes and he starts messing with their traditions and messing uh, with their, their way of life and messing with their lifestyle, then they start to get angry. If y'all remember in, in, in chapter number 5, he healed this, this cripple, he healed this paralytic on the Sabbath day. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. amen. He heals the paralytic on the Sabbath day. And at that point, at that point, they began to want to kill him. It began right there. Jesus' ministry is going really good. Jesus' ministry is going by. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Uh, everything's smooth until he crosses their tradition, until he crosses their custom and their their preference, if you will. Now, from that point on, 
they wanted to kill him in Judea, in Jerusalem, okay? Now, so here we are. Here we are from, from uh, chapter number 5. He goes out into Galilee. <clears throat> he goes out into Galilee uh, because he knows they're trying to kill him. They, they want to kill him for his own safety's sake and for his own preservation. He goes into Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. If you're looking on a map, and here's Jerusalem, it's way up here. And he stays up here. He stays on the outskirts. He stays there. And, and about a year... About a year he's ministering. About a year he's doing his teaching. And about a year he's, he's doing his miracles and the things that, that he did. Well, the whole time, the whole time he's doing what he's doing, there are spies that are coming back from Galilee and into Judea, into Jerusalem, telling them what he's doing, telling them about his miracles, telling them about his teachings. And the whole time they're getting angrier and angrier and angrier. So here throughout this whole time between chapter 5 and chapter 7, it's just bubbling and it's just boiling their hatred for him and their, their animosity toward him. Okay, now let's jump into chapter 6. It says in chapter 6 that the time was about the Passover. Okay, so about the time that Jesus fed the 5,000, uh, the 20,000, the big, the big crowd that we see this, this, this pinnacle, if we want to use that, this pinnacle of his ministry, it was about the time of the Passover. And so what happens? What happens? <clears throat> we see a bunch of them leave and only a few stay. Now, are y'all with me? Stay? I, I, I'm going with this. It's just, I just got to give you this because it makes it really cool when you understand this part. If that makes sense, say amen. And so, so here we are. Here we are. A, a lot of them turn away. And, and then now he's left with, with this, this handful. And he says, well, you go also. Nope, we're not going to go. You got it. You're the man. Uh, we believe that thou art the Christ. And so he takes them. He takes them and, and he, he begins to minister to them. And, and from chapter 6 to chapter 7, we, we see it's a period of about seven months because you go from uh, uh, the, 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 the feast of, um, help me, uh, not Pentecost, not Tabernacles. Uh, oh, my goodness. Passover, Passover. Say amen. I had all this ready. I had all it ready. Amen. All right, the Feast of Passover in chapter number 6. Now in chapter number 7, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is about a seven-month period of time. In these seven months, it's kind of it's quiet. In these seven months, he doesn't do much public, you know, outside of what he had. He, yes, there were some healings, and yes, there was some touching. Even, even a crowd uh, of, of 4,000 that he, he, he feeds, again, similar to the, the feeding of the 5,000, but, but, but basically, he's more reserved. He's more in the villages, and it's not very public. Now, think about this. He spends two days, he spends two days with the 20,000, but he spends seven months with the 12. In other words, he does something spectacular and something magnificent and something huge to gather the crowds. And when he gathered the crowds and he got their attention, he gave them his word. Y'all follow me? He gave them his word. And what happened? Many of them turned away. They were willing to accept the miracles, but they were not willing to accept the message. And so when he gave them his word, he chose those who accepted his word and received his word. And then he began to disciple them. So for the next set, think about this. He spent two days with the crowd, but seven months with the few. Two days with a crowd, seven months with the disciples. Does that teach us something? 
Does that teach us how important true discipleship is? True discipleship. Listen, he's pouring himself into them. It is during this seven months that he tells them he's going to die. It's during these seven months that that he informs them about his crucifixion. He informs them that he's going to be spit upon. He informs them that he's going to die. Now, it's not recorded in John. Because if you'll remember when we started the beginning of John, that John only recorded certain miracles to prove the point that he was the Messiah. But if we go into the other Gospels, we will learn some things that took place during this particular period of time. We know Luke records a lot of it. Uh, We see that during this time, he's focused on his disciples. He's discipling. He's given that one-on-one close time. He's investing in them. He is pouring himself into them. He's telling them that he's going to die. He's telling them that he's going to be crucified. And by the way, that's pretty drastic. And that's pretty difficult to hear. And that's a tough deal. And so what happens also during this period of time is the, the, the transfiguration. Jesus balances out the bad news with the good news. And he shows him his glory. If y'all remember, Peter, James, and John went up into the mountain with Jesus. And, and while he was there, he transfigured. In other words, the God on the inside started showing on the outside. He started glowing and transfigured and showed him his glory. And so all this time he's developing them. All this time he's teaching them and, and, and pouring himself into them, preparing them for what's fixing to take place. So now we come to uh, John chapter 7 after these things. After what things? After these seven months. After the time he spent with them. Now, after these things, we find ourselves with the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what was the Feast of Tabernacles? This was a feast that was given to the nation of Israel to help them remember the time that they spent in the wilderness that God provided for them. What would they do? Now, by the way, there were three feasts. There were three feasts. There was Passover, there was Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Okay? Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. At these three feasts, all the males, all the Jewish males were required to come to Jerusalem. All of them. It was a requirement. You had to come to Jerusalem at Passover, at Pentecost, and at Tabernacles. Okay? Passover is obvious. It's it's remembering the Passover lamb that that died in the blood that was applied to the doorpost. Y'all remember that? Amen. Pentecost, obviously we know what that is. And now tabernacles. What would they do at tabernacles? At the Feast of Tabernacles, they would put together uh, temporary shelters. In other words, the people that would come from foreign and and abroad, the dispersion, the dysphoria, the dispersion, those Jews that were scattered abroad, they would come back to Jerusalem during this time for this festival and for this celebration. And this this was the favorite one of all. This was the most celebratory one of all. This is the one where they had a good time. And they had a great time. It was a joyous occasion. It was right after the harvest, the fall harvest. And and so this was a great time and a joyous time and a time that everybody looked forward to. And it was a time of great happiness, but not for Jesus. But not for Jesus. And we'll see here in just a minute. But here's what would happen. They would come and they would basically make tents. They would make tents, uh, temporary housing. If you lived in Jerusalem... If you already had a a permanent dwelling in Jerusalem, usually they would go out into the courtyard or they would go into the top on the roof above because most of their houses were flat and that's where they hung out in the cool of the evening anyway. But they would go and they would put those tents, those temporary shelters, those tabernacles up and they would sit in them. 
and they would decorate them and, 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 and have a big time. And here's what it was. It was so they could look back. Say that with me. So they could look they could look back and remember that there were years, those 40 years they dwelt in the temporary dwellings till God gave them houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, uh, gardens they didn't plant, and gave them the promised land. There was a time that they lived back in, in temporary dwellings. There was a time when they had to totally depend on God for their food and for their water and for their substance. And there was a time when God didn't let their, foot, their shoes rot off their feet or their clothes off of their back. And they could remember how good God was back then. Say amen. But it was also a time to look around. It was also a time to look around. In the, in, under that shelter, you could look around and see the blessings of God. You could look around and see that you were no longer in Egypt. You could look around and see that you were no longer a slave. You could look around and see you were no longer in bondage, that God had brought you from slavery and bondage from under a taskmaster and a dictator, and God delivered you and brought you to the promised land. Time to look around. There's also a time to look forward. It was a reference and a, and a, and a reminder of one day the Messiah is going to come. And by the way, this festival and this feast, according to the prophets, it will be celebrated again during the millennial kingdom. In other words, you'll get to go to it if you know Jesus. Are y'all with me? So it's looking ahead to the Messiah. It's looking ahead to the millennial reign when we'll rule and reign with the Messiah, with Jesus, okay? So does everybody understand what the Feast of Tabernacles is? Okay, everybody's required to go. All the men are required to go. And, and, and three, three, fest, three festivals, three feasts a year, all the Jews, all the Jewish males were required to go to Jerusalem. It was a pilgrimage. Go to celebrate that and, 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 and rejoice in that, okay? So here we are in chapter number 7. Let's go to our, let's go to our word and let's start our, let's start our uh, running commentary in our outline, okay? After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry. Remember, about a year he stayed in Galilee. He stayed in the outskirts. He wouldn't go uh, where the religious leaders were because he knew they were out to kill him. Then it says, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, the, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Let's look at the first. Number one, we see the critics. In this chapter, we see the critics. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the critics was his own family. Was his own family. If you'll look in your notes, <clears throat> if you'll look in your notes, I want you to see this. Matthew 13, 55. We see uh, Jesus' brethren. Matthew 13, 55. They're named. It says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this, uh, is not, uh, slow down. Is not his mother called, Ma I just want to get to where we're going, amen? I'm just, I'm just excited. Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, or Jude. Now we know James and Jude recorded scripture in the Bible, in your Bible, the book of James was Jesus' half-brother. The book of Jude was Jesus' half-brother. James ended up being one of the leaders in the, in the church in Jerusalem after the resurrection of Christ. Now, 
good news is this. Good news is this. They ultimately believed after the resurrection, but not at this point. Not at this time, okay? So let's look at this. Three things I want you to write down under the critics. First, I want you to see the pressure. I want you to see the pressure. <clears throat> Most of the time, you went, and, and you see Jesus is still connected to his family. Jesus is still connected to his family. In that day, family stayed together. Family, grandparents, parents, children. I mean, it was just like, you know, it's different today. I mean, you, people scattered abroad, and, and, and you usually have, people are having smaller and smaller families, but back then you had many children, many uncles, many aunts, and, and it was like a clan deal. And you went as a caravan. And his brothers are, his brothers are telling him, uh, man, come on, go up there. Go up there and show yourself. Go do something. They're trying to pressure him into doing some miracle, some, some supernatural thing. Go to Jerusalem and do it. If you do it in Jerusalem, then... then and here's, here's the thing. We know they don't believe. We know they don't believe. So uh, there's been a lot of speculation about why are they doing this. Some have written, some have written, and, and it's pure speculation, I don't believe this, but some have written that, that they, they didn't like him, they hated him, and, 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 and they were trying to pressure him in so that he could be killed. Uh, some believe that they wanted to, to push him to be, be that political, you know, that political Messiah. Remember the king that they wanted to make him out to be in chapter number 6 because he fed everybody and they wanted to make him king, and they wanted to make him a physical, political Messiah, <clears throat> And Jesus wouldn't let them because he said his kingdom is not of this world. Uh, it's, it's, it's not yet time. There will be a day when he will reign on this earth, but not then. And so many people believe that they were trying to push that. But whatever the reason is, and it might be just that, listen, how would you like to grow up with a perfect brother? That won every argument. That every time... You got into it with him. He was right. I mean, what, what would that be like to live with somebody that, that, that just being around him was a rebuke to your behavior every day of your life? And it wasn't it Mark Twain that said the greatest irritation is there's nothing more irritating than the, the, a good example? Are y'all with me? And so here, here now think about this. Sometimes, sometimes we over-spiritualize things. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things. But Jesus was human. He was human. Mary changed his diapers. Y'all with me? Mary burped him. Y'all with me? He, he, he grew up a carpenter's son. He grew up a carpenter. He grew up building chairs and building tables and building wood things. He was a carpenter. And he grew up with brothers. Don't listen to the false teachers who tell you that Mary stayed perpetually a virgin. She did not. He had half-brothers. Obviously, they're half-brothers because Joseph was not his physical father, the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? But Mary was his physical mother, so he had half-brothers and half-sisters. And so they grow up with him, and they're around him all the time. Now, now how many of y'all have a brother in here? Anybody have a brother in here? Now, what if your brother came up to you one day and said, I'm God. Y'all with me? One of you might have said, mine did. Amen. I don't want Think about that. That's what they're dealing with. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even with that, though, they know about his miracles. Because there was nobody in Jerusalem that didn't know about his miracles. 
that hadn't heard about what he had done, hadn't heard about the people who were healed, hadn't heard about the, are y'all with me? So there's a little frustration here, and they're trying to pressure him into doing something. Now, if you, this is what they're saying, if you are who you are, if you are who you say you are, doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that kind of what the devil said to him in the wilderness? If thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Trying to pressure him into using supernatural power outside of the Father's will. Here's a cool thing. Here's a cool thing. Remember this. Jesus never allowed an unbeliever to pressure him into doing something outside of the Father's will. He never gave in to the influence and the pressure of an unbeliever. In other words, now, now think about this. If, if, if I'd have been Jesus... And, 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 and these people, they, they don't believe me. I'd want to do it just to spite them. Oh, yeah? Are y'all with me? But he never, he never used something to convince an unbeliever. He said, what's the point? Oh, man, I hope you get this. People just, you remember the, the, you remember the Gentile woman? whose daughter had a devil. She came to him and said, please do something for my daughter. Nope. Not meat for me to give the bread to. And, and, and by the way, everybody thinks, oh, Jesus is being mean to this woman, but he's not. He's fishing. He said, it's not meat for me to give. And by the way, when he said, uses the term dogs, that's what Jews referred to Gentiles. He said, I, I shouldn't be giving the, the children's bread. Talking about the Jewish people, the children's bread to dogs. And she said, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And boy, Jesus is moved with her faith. And here we have, here we have someone who is pressuring Jesus, but not out of unbelief, pressuring him out of faith and belief. And Jesus says, it's good. And heals her. Do y'all see the difference? Jesus is moved by faith. He's moved by belief. He did everything he did. He said everything he said to get them to believe. And watch this. They are of the persuasion, show me and I'll believe. But Jesus said, believe and I'll show you. And they're pressuring him, do something. Do something, show yourself. Show yourself. So there's pressure in the argument. Number two, or B. B, we see an argument. Look, what, look, look at the terminology that they use. Look at the terminology they use in verse number, uh, what verse? Three. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. That's the pressure. Verse four, here's the argument. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. You want everybody to know you, don't you? You want everybody to follow you. See, here's another thing too. I believe they knew about the crowd that walked away. Could it be that they're saying, maybe we can recoup our losses here. Now think about this. Every Jew, every Jew was looking for a hero to come kick Rome out of Jerusalem. Everyone was. Everyone was wanting to be delivered from Roman tyranny and Roman bondage. Everybody was wanting that, including his brothers. Could this be that this is a chance that, hey, say, we might can get some, you know, 
We need some followers. We need some warriors. If there's going to be an uprising, if there's going to be a political takeover, if we're going to kick Rome out of here, we need some. Maybe if we go to Jerusalem and do something spectacular, does this make sense? But they're still, they're still thinking physical. Why? Why are they pressuring? Why are they argumentative about this, trying to push Jesus into something? See, because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. The very next verse. Look at the very next verse. Very next verse. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Neither did his brethren. Let me say something. This is really not in the notes, but I feel this right now. I've heard a phrase. I've heard a phrase. In the very next verse, in the very next verse, Jesus says, it's not time. It's not time. Say it with me. It's not It's not time. Okay? This is, let's apply this to, to right now. I've heard people say this. I've asked God and asked God and asked God and asked God and asked God to do, and you just fill in the blank. And, it, and, and we want to look at the brethren. We want to look at the brethren and say, man, they're, they're his own brothers. Why in the world? What are they trying to do? Pressure him. They're not doing anything different than we do a lot of times. We try to get God to do something. We try to get God to obey our command. And we get frustrated. He's not, he's not answering my prayer. Translation, he's not doing what I told him to do. And we get frustrated because God's timing is not our timing. And God has timing. He's got divine timing. And he's always on time. Mary and Martha thought he was late. Mary and Martha thought he'd done messed up. Mary and Martha thought it was too late. My brother's done dead. He's not just dead. He's done dead so long he stinks. But guess what? He was right on time. And sometimes when our prayers are not being answered, we want to pressure God and pressure God and pressure God and pressure God. And God isn't moving on our timetable. God is not moving on our schedule. And we get frustrated with him. Why do we get frustrated with him? We might even get argumentative with him. But why do we pressure him and get argumentative with him? Because the truth be known, we may be revealing unbelief. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like no salvation unbelief. I'm talking about the kind of unbelief that we don't believe that God knows what's best for our life. I, I'm talking about the unbelief that, 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 that we're, we're not trusting him for whatever it is we're asking. And instead of saying, God, do this or God, do that, God say, thy will be And trust me, I'm preaching to me. I wish I could say I never get frustrated with God. I wish I could say that, but I can't. There's been times I just wonder. There's been times I see God do something like kabam, boom, right there in this situation. But over here, it's just like. But in either way. If he moves instantly, if he moves immediately, or if he takes time in what he does, 
We have to believe that he has a timetable that's right. His brethren are saying, this is great, man. This is the right time. There's going to be a ton of people there. There's going to be a pile of people there. If there's ever a time that you can show out and do something, now's the time. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. One, he's not going to let unbelievers pressure him into doing something. Two, two, he knows the religious leaders are looking to kill him. And guess what? If he was to die then, it would totally mess up God's timetable. Okay? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to number two. What was number one? What was number one? Critics. Critics. Do y'all see the critics? Y'all see the critics? All right, number two. Don't you see the Christ? Don't you see the Christ? A, look at his divine timetable. His timetable. Everything he did was on a timetable. We can go back all the way. We can go back all the way. I mean, even, let's just say, let's say, say his birth. He was born at the time he was supposed to be born according to the Old Testament prophets. I mean, even before he was actively doing his thing, he was on time. We can go back. How many of y'all remember when he was 12 years old? When they came in the caravan to, to Jerusalem and, and, and things went by and they were headed home and they forgot Jesus. How would you like to be known the people who lost God? <laughs> they forgot Jesus. I mean, this is a couple days journey and they forget. They go back and they're just wigging out. I'm, I'm talking about this. Can you imagine? I mean, you think things happen with your children and you just. Whoo, and they go and they find him in the temple. And they said, how could you do this to us? What are you doing? Man, what are you thinking? And this is what Jesus' response was. Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Now, if you study that phrase out, it literally means I got to get an early. You know what he's saying? I'm on a timetable. I'm on a scale. I'm on a time. Listen, everything he did was on a timetable. Now, you say, what is that? Why are you putting so much emphasis on this? Because you got to understand everything he does is right. Everything he does is right on. Everything he does is right on time. Are y'all with me? Everything, everything from his birth, from his life, to the miracles that he did, to when he showed up or didn't show up. When they said, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died, they thought he was late, but he was right on time. Because if he had come early, he could have healed him of his sickness and they would have only known him as a healer. But because he stayed back and did what the Father said and on the Father's timetable, they got to witness and experience a resurrection and understand that he's not just a doctor. He is a resurrection in the life. You know how they got to witness of that? Because he was right on. Preacher, I've been praying. Well, keep praying because he's right on time. No matter what, even when you don't believe it, even when you're worried, even when you're faithless or unbelieving, it, your unbelief does not affect his timetable whatsoever. He's right on time. Boy, that'll preach right there, I'm going to tell you. He's right on time. We see his time. Look what he says. Look what he says. This is in verse 6. 
They're trying to pressure him into doing something. They're trying to, they're trying to influence him and say, do something. Then Jesus said unto them, my time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. In other words, you, you don't have a schedule. You're, you're, you have one destiny. If you are an unbeliever, you have one time appointment you're going to keep, and that's with God when you die. Is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, a judgment. You see, they're unbelievers at this point. Watch what he says then. The world cannot hate you. The world cannot hate you. You say, why don't they hate it? Well, according to other scriptures, we know if you're of the world, the world will not hate you. If you're not of the world, the world will hate you. At this point in their life, in this time, they were of the world. They wanted worldly things. They were unbelievers. Now watch what he says. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Why? Why did they hate Jesus so much? Was it because of his miracles? No. Was it because of his benevolence? No. Was it because of his goodness and his mercy? No. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. We see his testimony. Not only his timetable, but we see his testimony. It, it, it accomplished two things. You remember, everybody loves the healing Jesus. Everybody loves the feeding Jesus. Everybody loves the calming of the storm Jesus. Have y'all seen that this world, this world in, in, in the culturalistic, the me first, the selfie church that's here in, in our culture today, it's all about me, it's all about what I want, it's, it's a real psychological deal now, fix me, feed me, help me, serve me. They love all that. But if you go to talking about his words, if you go to talking about deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, if you go to talking about be ye holy for I am holy, whoa, 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 God is love. What are you talking about judgment and what are you talking about hell? And by the way, Jesus preached more about hell than he ever did about heaven. But let's don't talk about that. Why did they hate him? Because of his testimony. Two things his testimony did. Two things his testimony And by the way, if you preach the word, it'll do it now. First, it will reveal. It reveals. I know y'all probably ain't never had roaches. <clears throat> and if Tammy heard me saying this, she'd shoot me. <clears throat> we don't have roaches. I'm telling you, we don't have roaches. But there was a time. I remember, I remember <laughs> they call it a palmetto bug. But actually, it's a souped-up roach is all it is. <laughs> when, <laughs> when me and Tammy first got married, my dad said he wouldn't do the wedding unless I had our own place. Well, I found our own place. It was cheap. <laughs> Go with me? I was in the bedroom one night, and I heard the most blood-curdling, awful scream that you'd ever heard. I, I thought somebody's broke in and killing Tammy down the hallway. I jumped up, ran down the hallway, and, and there she was trembling in the fetal position. And was pointing, and it was <laughs> it's the biggest roach you ever seen. And that baby had wings; it was flying, <laughs> and it come off the wall at her. Say, man, 
Y'all with me? They say a roach is the only thing that can survive a nuclear blast. It's the only thing going to be here after a while. Amen. How many of y'all have ever had it? Now, let's just, let's just act like I've ever had roaches and you turn the light on. I said, just if we had them. <laughs> you know you're a poor church when you talk about roaches scattering, amen? <laughs> I know my crowd, bless God. I don't care what you say. Donald Trump's had roaches before. I don't care. Say amen. <laughs> but what happens when you turn the light on? You know what Jesus did when he arrived on this earth? First thing he did in his ministry, he goes into the temple, turns the tables over, flips up everything. They're like, and he begins to reveal the hypocrisy of their just putrid religion they've created. Showed them their hypocrisy. Told them they were a bunch of vipers and snakes. He told them that you were of your father, the devil. Your father's a murderer and you're a murderer too. Let me tell you something. As, as much as I hate it, sometimes, sometimes real biblical preaching, it will reveal things in your life you don't want to know. Sometimes real biblical preaching will reveal things in our life that we didn't even know was there. And sometimes we don't want to admit. Listen, his, his testimony, his preaching, his revealing, it not only revealed, it rebuked. We live in a society where nobody wants to be told they're wrong. I, I, I heard somebody say this. I don't want to go to a church that's judgmental. Let me translate that. I don't want to go to a church that preaches against my behavior. I want to live the way I want to live. I want to behave the way I want to behave. I don't want to quit things I shouldn't or start things I should. I just want to be myself and now just tell me everything's all right. Don't, don't rock the boat. Well, there's only a, one problem with that. If you preach the book, it's going to rock your boat. What did Paul tell Timothy? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It's part of it. He said, guys, y'all don't understand this. Talk to his brethren. Y'all don't understand this. You're still of the world. You're still of that persuasion. You don't get it because they don't hate you. And they don't hate you because you're not revealing to them what they truly are. You're not rebuking their wickedness. You're not rebuking their evil. You don't get it. Are y'all with me? His testimony. He said, y'all go, go on up. Y'all go ahead. So we have this caravan of his family. This big group of people, his family. He says, y'all go on up. The festival is about eight days long, really seven with two Sabbaths in between, sandwiching it. And, and here, we find, here we find Jesus tells them, you just go on up. So they're going on up, and he stays in Galilee. Well, he waits a few days. 
few days, maybe three. It says when he stands in the temple, it's mid, mid part of the, the feast. And, and so, so as he sends them on and they go on up, when they get there, when they get there, everybody's talking. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? They're asking because they know he has to come. Because to fulfill the law, he has to be there because every man is required to be there. Where's he at? They probably knew his family. They probably knew his brothers and his parents. And they started checking the caravan out. But no Jesus. Now remember, remember, he's still been the talk. He's still been the conversation ever since chapter number 5. Even though he's been serving in Galilee for a year, they ain't forgot about him. They're hearing about him all the time. He's a threat to their way of life. He's a threat to their religious tradition. And so they're wanting to know, where are you at? Where's he at? Well, here's what takes place. All right, Jesus, right on time, he leaves. Now, the way he goes, we learn in the other gospels, primarily Luke, we learn that he goes down through Samaria. He goes down through Samaria. That's one place they won't be looking for him. Y'all with me? All right, so now he goes down through Samaria, secretly coming into, uh, into Jerusalem, Judea, at the time, the mid part of the feast, when it's the most packed. I mean, there's, there's thousands of people, thousands of people in the city at this time during this ceremony. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, let's look at the next point. <clears throat> now, guys, here, here, usually when I'm teaching, we'll have an outline and we'll get to like a crescendo, a main point, like pow. It's not going to be like that. This is an intro. We're just working our way through it. Okay? Are y'all good with that? Because I'm seeing that clock and it's not our friend. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? Can y'all, how many of y'all like bologna? How many of y'all know it don't matter where you cut it, it's still good? <laughs> right? So we're just going to go till we run out of time and phew. Y'all good with that? Okay, that's good because I don't know that's how to do it. Amen. All right. We see his critics in his Christ. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then he went also up into the feast, not openly, not openly, but as it were in secret. Now here's, the, here's number three. I want you to see the crowd. There's three groups of people that we're going we're gonna to see in this particular story in chapter number seven. First, we find the leaders. Put that down. The leaders. These are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. These are the religious leaders. They had, it's almost like this. They had like a religious police force. Had their own guards and everything. Another, can you imagine the church having its own police force to make sure you read your Bible at home? I'm sorry, sir, but we're going to have to arrest you. You didn't give your devotion this morning. <laughs> That's basically what it was. They wanted to make sure they followed the law. They had their own religious hierarchy and, and by the way, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were on the outs. They were not really friendly to each other. They were not really friendly to each other because they, they had difference in philosophy. They had difference in theology. Some believe in the resurrection. Some didn't. And, and, and they were politically on odds. But here's the thing. They both hated Jesus. And the hatred of Jesus was more powerful than the differences they had. Isn't that amazing? And so here they are together. Anytime I put in here, look in your notes. Look in your notes right here. 
or not your notes, excuse me, look in your Bible. If you, if you can write in your Bible, some people don't, and that's, that's cool. But if you do, I, I wrote, underline the Jews, verse 11. The Jews. Anytime you see the Jews, that's always in reference to the religious leaders. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, so forth and so on. The Jews. Do y'all see that? In verse number 11. The Jews. Okay? Then verse number 12. It says, and there was much murmuring among the people. So I underlined in verse 11, the Jews. In verse 12, I underlined the people. Now, who were the people? These were all of the visitors that are coming into Jerusalem. And you need to know it because there's a different response, and I'll show that here in just a minute. You need to know who this crowd is. These are all of the visitors that's coming from Galilee, coming from you know Tyre and Sidon, wherever they may be, coming from all over, all over the place, coming back to Jerusalem. In other words, these are not, these are not people who live in Jerusalem. They're visiting for the feast. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, then, so we have the leaders in the crowd. Then we have the visitors in the crowd. Now look at, look at the dwellers. I put that word dwellers. Look in verse number 25. Verse number 25. Then said, and I underline this, some of them of Jerusalem. Some of them of Jerusalem. In other words, these were people who lived in Jerusalem. And, and, and you'll see why that's important to distinguish the three here in just a second. We find the religious crowd, right? We find the religious leaders. These are Now, let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute. These were the people. You remember when Jesus healed the paralytic in, in John 5? Y'all remember? At the pool of Siloam. You remember when he said, wilt thou be made whole? Y'all remember that? Okay. And what did he tell them? Rise, take up thy bed, and okay, he gets his bed and he's going through the town. And what happened? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ones supposed to be responsible to make sure everybody keeps the law. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you carrying that? He's oh man, I, I'm just hey, listen, I'm just doing what the man that healed me said. Well, who was it that healed you? I, I don't really know who that is. And y'all remember how all that went. Jesus later found him, told him, don't be, don't be sinning no more, straighten your act up, something worse, hell's worse than being a cripple. And he goes back and tells them, and at this point is when they want to kill him. It was because they broke their tradition that now they determined to kill him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Okay? They're determined to kill him. This is the group. So what's happening here at the festival, at the beginning of the festival, at the beginning of the feast, they're looking for him. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? We can't find him. Anybody know where he's at? Anybody heard? It? Okay. Then we have, then we have the, what did I say? The second visitors. What, I, what a word did I use? Visitors. Visitors. These are the people that's come up and they're going to have a different response. They're going to have a different response from the ones in Jerusalem. Okay. Now watch this. Watch how this works. Look at number four. <clears throat> number four, we see the conversation. We see the conversation. How many of y'all are familiar with the crowd? How many different groups do we have? Three, Three different groups. We have the, 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 the leaders, we have the visitors, and we have those that dwell there that's there all the time, right? What's happening? Here's what's happening, verse 11. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? 
and there was much murmuring. They were arguing. They were basically debating. There's a lot of talk going on. There was much murmuring among the people concerning him. In other words, Jesus is not there, but he's the topic of conversation. Everybody's talking about Jesus. Everybody's talking about Jesus. Okay, what are they talking about? First, I want you to put this A in the conversation. A, there's a search. There's a search. The leaders are searching for him. They want to kill him. They want to arrest him. They want to do away with him. He's causing problems. Okay, there's a search. Then B, there's a debate. Write that down. They're debating. They're debating. Look what it says. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said, he is a good man. He's a good man. Others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. All right? Here's what I believe. I believe these people coming in, the visitors. Y'all with me? Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. The visitors coming in. Where are they coming from? They're coming from where he's been healing. They're coming from where he's been touching blind people. And during that period, and by the way, I forgot to mention this, but during that seven months, during that seven months, he, he, he visited up in the Tyre and Sidon. He visited these places, and, and it was to the point that people would come and lay and just put close enough to the path that when he walked by, they could touch the hem of his garment, and he healed them. Just touching the hem of his garment. And so these people are coming to Jerusalem. How can you talk bad about a guy who fixed somebody that was blind? Imagine this. Let's put it in our, let's put it in our application today. How many of y'all have seen, seen doctors that just did unbelievable things? And you, and, and you look at, I remember, I, remember, I remember my grandfather. He had a heart doctor. He may, not have been, he, he may not have been the greatest doctor in the world, but to, to my granddad, he's, he's the greatest man on the planet. Because at one time, he basically saved his life, and it didn't matter. You better not say nothing bad about him. Y'all with me? And so here these people are coming and saying, he's a good guy. They're, they're hearing all this murmuring. They're hearing all this rumor, and they're hearing all this stuff. Hey, man, he's a good guy. He, he healed Uncle Leroy. How could a bad guy do that? He's a good guy. Then others are saying, he's a... Now we know who's saying that. We know it's that religious leader. Because you remember when they sent... Well, you don't remember yet because we haven't read it yet. But in, in a few verses, we're going to read that they send soldiers to get and arrest Jesus. And, and, and they come back and they said, Where, where's he at? Why didn't you get him? They said, ain't never a man spake like that man. Yeah. You know what they said? Did he deceive you too? So we know where that jive's coming from. Because he's telling, he's just a deceiver. They've already made up their minds. The religious leaders had already confirmed and made up their minds. This is an imposter. He's a deceiver. And you have other people who are saying, yeah, he's a good guy. But guess what? Guess what? Man, I wish we had some more time. Both answers are wrong. To just say he's a good guy is so infinitely below. 
who he really is. And that was the problem. They just saw him as a good guy. And then to say he's a deceiver, that's demonic. They said, you have a devil, you're crazy. Let me tell you something. Only crazy people and liars claim to be God. Only crazy people and liars claim to be God. Well, then is he a deceiver? Listen, a deceiver cannot raise the dead. A deceiver cannot walk on water. A deceiver cannot turn water into wine. A deceiver cannot touch a blind man and him heal. And and listen, don't even need no contact. Say amen. Nobody could perform and, and experience and reveal the power of God unless he was who he said he was. Here's the conversation. Let's find him. We got to get rid of him. We got to destroy him. We got to get rid of him. Listen, he's a good guy. There's a debate going on. And here's, here's, we, we, see, see, we see the fear. Here we see the legalistic, strong grip that this false religion had on the people. Because they, if you remember, you remember when he healed a blind guy? But the man that was born blind, and they, they even brought the parents. Is this your son? Yes. I thought he was born blind. He was. Well, what do you say about it? I don't know. Ask him. You know why? Because they were afraid they were going to kick him out of the, t- the temple. They were going to excommunicate them. And to a Jew, that was serious. That was like, that was, in their minds, that was like damning them to hell. And they were so afraid because of the the legalistic rituals and the legalistic power stronghold. The Bible says they wouldn't speak openly of Jesus because of fear of the Jews. Intimidation. You know what? Religion will do that to people. It's amazing how religion will control people. I I, I grew up, I don't want to get into this because we're out of time, but... I grew up in a, in a very legalistic movement that was really motivated by fear. And there was a lot of manipulation and control. And, and listen, true redemption brings freedom. He said, you shout, this is what we're going to get in, 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 in the next few chapters, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, not free to live like a crazy person. Not free to run around and sleep with everybody in the world. Not free to go live in sin, but free to do right and to have peace. But they were afraid. Everybody's at the feast wanting to know what the deal is. Where's he at? Where's he at? He's a good guy, people. No, he's not. He's a deceiver. Can y'all see the turmoil? Trying to figure out who Jesus is. By the way, guys, all you in here, 
your eternal destiny rests on who you decide he is. Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? Million dollar question. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say thou art the Christ. Some say thou art Elias. Some say thou art one of the prophets. Some even think you John the Baptist come back from the dead. But who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Now next week, it's going to be cool. Jesus is fixing to step into the temple right in the middle of all of this and do his thing. And, and, and how many, how many of y'all, how many of y'all have heard the, the phrase, I'm living water? How many of y'all have heard the phrase, I'm the light of the world? In chapter 7, chapter 8, both of those phrases are going to take on a whole new meaning. And <laughs> it is terrible that I got to see something that I've never seen before and I want to tell you and I can't. Oh, I can't stand it. I mean, it's just, I can't. Oh. No. There is, I will tell you this though. There is, there is a, a ritual that's part of the celebration of tabernacles. Two parts that's going to make those two phrases come alive. And it's cool. I'm telling you it's cool. And I want to tell you, but I can't. To be continued. <laughs> Bring somebody with you next week. Bring somebody with you next week. And all God's people see it. Amen. Hey, oh, I was supposed to announce this too. Uh, uh, we, we have some tickets. I don't know if they have how many they have left, but we have some tickets for the roast thing that they're going to do. Uh, and by the way, by the way, we, we've had a death in the church and, and, and it, it brings this, this victim services situation a whole lot more real. And, and I want y'all to understand, this is, a, this is a real cause. This is a real cause. Battered women and abused children, this is a serious, serious need. You know, we, we, we jumped on the bandwagon with the, with the, the there is hope, and, and, and we're going to keep doing that. But this is an opportunity where we can really help in this area, and we, we want to do that. If you can, if you can come, what it is, if you didn't, you wasn't here Sunday, there, the, the Victim Services of Coleman has asked me to come, and they're going to do a roast where they make jokes about the person and, you know, 